Hey friends, Michael Curry here. Welcome back to another episode of Bible Tract Echoes. Here with Brother Justin Dye, Zach Kinney over in the background. Brother Chad Wells is right back over there. And uh, you hear him muttering, probably trying to find some toe straps <laughs> and things, because we're about to go to a place where it's a little bit um, bumpy, jostly, um, fun, I guess, as well. Brother Justin Dye, can you give us the lay of the land where we're standing right now in the middle of the mission station? So we are... Um on the Pangea Baptist Mission Station. Uh, we're on the Pangea Station, which is the name of the little town that we're a part of, because uh, it used to be a government station in the Aussie days, so that name carries over. But uh, we're in our, our Baptist allotment here, and we're this ground is granted to us by the government to develop for the purposes of furthering our, our mission and planting churches, training our people, all those things that we present to churches, the government wants us to do as well. And so we're in between uh, my house and Chad's house. Behind us, you can see Chad's house. And then off over to the other side, you can see where I live. And then uh, we got another single lady who lives with us and helps in the school. Um, and her house is right over here, along with the guest house that Micah and Zach are staying in while they're with us. So this is where we live. And so much of this did not just spring up overnight. No. Lots of, of course, uh, people from the states supporting the ministry, but there's a lot of sweat equity. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine how much from not just Brother Die, not just Brother Wells, um, but the Wells family from pre even previous. Yep. And so it, it's a blessing to see not just team ministry, but also multi-generational ministry. Sure. So once upon a time, uh, Brother Cliff Taylor, who is kind of the same uh, generation as Dennis Wells was here, and they kind of, and Ted Mullins also, he, he kind of was the generation before even Dennis, maybe about the same age, but he was here establishing what he was doing. And those three guys ended up starting that process to secure this land from the government. And they built a couple of the houses that are here, some of the older ones. And Brother Chad came back and stayed with his dad here for a couple of years before his dad retired. Um, this is actually where we visited Brother Chad when we came uh, in 2013. And uh, yeah, those missionaries all put some, some time and effort into here. And, uh, but really, uh, Brother Chad's really worked to get this from just a couple of places to sleep to um, uh, multifunction buildings and places for our pastors to come in and stay when they're on station and the school. And we've got areas for Bible school and we've got a place to host camps and we've got a place to host uh, meetings if the pastors want to avail themselves of that. And we can kind of just springboard off of this and have a little bit of a stable spot that's not uh, governed by the whims of uh, villages and be able to affect ministry. Awesome. And over my shoulder, Miss Juliet, your middle daughter, air drying some clothes That's because right. around here it's a whole lot easier to air dry clothes than it probably is where I live. Sure. <laughs> uh, at negative 25 Celsius right now and um, wherever you happen to live in the States. But um, we're very blessed to be able to partner together on for this week with the camp and stuff. And as we head maybe towards the car, towards the Land Cruiser, and we're going to head out here in just a little while. Uh, talk to us about that camp because having 323 people uh, on station and 53 saved, how long ago did these kind of camp efforts start and, and what was the genesis of them? So um, Chad really uh, started youth camp stuff going uh, going forward. Um, when he got here, I'm, I'm pretty sure they did camps and stuff like that back while he was back in a village situation with his dad. Um, but we've got about 45 pastors or churches around us that can avail themselves of this camp, this youth camp. And there was a little bit of a lapse, and some of that happens because of furlough, and some of that happens because of politics. But we've been doing camps steadily since um, uh, really January of 22. So we've had, uh, and we do two a year here 
Um, we, we do an evangelistic camp because kids from all over will come to these kinds of things. It's very easy to pull that. And uh, what we found after doing that first camp was a lot of our saved kids who were uh, progressing through their Christian walk weren't getting the same kind of help that I got at youth camp back mm-hmm. in the States. And so we designed a second camp that happens in the middle of the school year during one of their term breaks where we can pull them in and really preach at them about the Christian life and stuff like that. So this last week uh, we had, uh, I think, 323 campers and some we had some pastors come in and some people from our church and people from the Wells' church that they're working with come in and staff the camp with us and um, preach, preach the gospel to them almost nonstop. Uh, I think there, there's between the devotional preachers, the morning preaching, and the evening preaching, they probably heard about 12 different sermons. Mm-hmm. and uh, had a, about three days. Yep. Yeah. And had had really great response. They didn't get worn out from that, so it's nice. Amen. What a blood. I mean, the, uh, Brother Wells is driving by us here. Brother Zach is with him. About to head off station for just a little while, and you'll be able to follow along for just a few moments. But one of the things that's afforded me, Brother Justin, by this radio broadcast is the opportunity to touch on a lot of different topics. And of course, seeing one of your middle... Oh, radio call. One second here. Yeah, I got it. Got some real life stuff going on because sometimes that radio comes really in handy. (laughs) And uh, we might talk about some of those other things, reasons why it's handy in the future. But um, one of the opportunities afforded to me is to talk about different topics. Of course, we talk about evangelistic things. Uh, we talk about church-related things. Um, but I also am blessed. I was blessed with a good heritage, a good legacy um, with my parents. And you have the privilege, the opportunity to raise your children, your three girls. I have two girls to raise them on the on the mission field. One second here. If you're listening, yep, to we're all set. You can hear me. Yep, I got you. There we go. So, Brother Chad Wells just checking between um, uh, the radio, the radio communication there, in case anyone has any problems or whatnot. But talk to us about maybe the differences or just things. Really, you, Brother Justin, you try to be a Bible believer, a Bible practicer in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, when it comes to raising kids on a mission field, what are some things? I mean, of course, the people we're talking to, trying to maybe give some application and some help for them raising their kids wherever they are. But maybe just give them a little background on what that's like and having three girls, one of course with, with some health issues and things like that as well, but talk to folks about raising kids and some things that you've learned that you would love if more Christian parents might practice. Yeah, I think that you know a lot of people approach this kind of question towards us for basically how do you make your kids feel like they're back in the States? For la- I mean, it's a really yeah. blunt way of sure. putting that. Sure. And I don't think they need to feel like like that. Uh, my kids are certainly comfortable, and as far as I can tell, pretty happy. They do miss friends, and they do miss family from back home, and they'll they'll express that too as we're sitting there in family devotion sometimes. But um, for the most part, my my girls, uh, what we do here is just involve them appropriately in ministry. They're not my slaves or anything like that, but. Kids of all ages should learn how to serve the Lord. And, you know, just like any pastor back in the States, I've got to balance my my ministry obligations with my family obligations. And what it comes down to and what we figured out in the first year or two years of doing this and living here, you know, and deputation was good practice for that too, since you're not home and you're not based. But what we found is that 
Um, biblical principles can still be accomplished. I can still train my daughters to have a work ethic with a mind towards service for the Lord. I can train them to be joyful. I can train them to be content in the Lord. I can train them and, and grow them in different character traits. Um, no matter what the setting is, uh, they've basically gotten a crash course in whatsoever state I'm in there with to be content before, um, before maybe a lot of us grew up with that. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, I've got a family to raise too, in addition to the ministry here. Amen. And what, one of the things I most appreciate about Brother Justin and his communication with not only me, but then also supporting churches and whatnot, speaking whether it be family or ministry related, you've talked, and we've talked at length a little bit about the need for a little more transparency. Uh, sometimes, and you heard, I think you, you made a quote, uh, you, you mentioned something you heard someone say in a preacher's fellowship about how we need to. Uh, insulate ourselves. This pastor, I, be I believe, you believe, mistakenly said, we need to insulate ourselves from the difficulties of ministry. Was that is that quite? Yeah, that, what he said? that's that that catches the the gist of it. You know, you don't. There, there's a line to be drawn between inventing storms for yourself or inventing trials for yourself. Certainly, we do not want to be imprudent um, in how we conduct. The, uh, between family, ministry, any any walk of life, we don't want to be unwise. But that, I don't think that means that we run away from hard things or trials or even when we're presented with a ministry opportunity that we wouldn't still choose to go into it knowing that it's going to be a difficult thing or frustrating thing or it's going to cost us physically with health or physically with with our sanity um, <laughs> we should be willing to pay some of that out resting in the lord knowing that he'll replenish us or he will keep us amen and the, the opportunity on the mission field to essentially as uh, a phrase you, you used with, with me kind of earn some stripes not not for vainglory, not so we can put ourselves up on a pedestal, but here on the mission field, there are some difficulties, and sometimes they present themselves a little more frequently than they might in, in American ministry sure. at times. And that's not to say what, peop what people people on, in Papua New Guinea or any mission field are better than anywhere, anywhere else, but the opportunity to be, if you will, on the front lines, on the sharp end of the stick. Uh, you think of you know military folks. There are folks in what we call a special operations community doing stuff in difficult places um, with um, unique needs. And um, Papua New Guinea is probably relative to America. Sure. There, are, there are some uniquenesses to it. And what a blessing to be able to work alongside some brothers in Christ. And speaking of parenting and to see the evidence of, I, I never got to meet uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Wells, uh, Chad's father. But apparently he's raised some good, some good children, and, and, and Brad and Chad, and uh, Brad, a, a pastor in the uh, Washington, D.C. area, and Brother Chad here. And, yep. uh, but then- His brother's in Hawaii, Hawaii helped oh, out church? Yes, yeah, but another yep. brother in, in Hawaii, actively involved in, in church. And so, but then Brother Chad, getting to meet his young men, Trevor and Connor and Derek, and then yet another generation, being raised up for the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Derek, Lord willing, unless the Lord changes his plans, planning to, well, hopefully not, not about this for certain, planning to get married <laughs> in, in December, already engaged, and uh, basically go back and be under his local church there in America and get the counsel of his pastor, and Lord willing, um, when, when his pastor feels ready, come back to Papua New Guinea 
and uh, to serve alongside his dad potentially, and then maybe maybe even branch out into another ministry. Yep. Um, and then the two boys to see them working alongside. Uh, we have you know young men in so many churches that number one have no drive, no desire, no no knowledge about what they're going to do. And these three young men so active, and and they're they're intelligent young men. They're not they're not like you said they're not slaves. They're not automatons. They're not robots. And they're so actively involved in such a help to the ministry. Sure. And to see that, uh, what a blessing it is. So we're going to sign off for today. We have one more day of broadcasting for this week. I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit more about what God's doing here in Papua New Guinea with Brother Justin Dye, with Chad Wells, and thankful for the opportunity to spend some time with them. Have a great day. For His glory, we'll plan on talking to you soon. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Track Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 604 a faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.